Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning, church. Good to see everybody. Welcome. If this is your first time here, my name's Tim, I'm the senior pastor here, and great to have you. Let's Let's just get this out of the way right now. Okay, uh, 49ers, Chiefs. 49ers, you dudes are, man, you got to keep it real now because you're like two people in this church, right? Chiefs, all right, there it is, there it is. <laughs> We've been in a, uh, a series on marriage, but I want to say this too, that everything that's Pretty much every single thing that we've been sharing during this series can be applied to our friendships, to our family relationships, um, and so it's not like this excludes anybody. So if, you, if you'll track along with us and journey with us, you'll find something for you in the midst of this. And um, you know, thinking about the Super Bowl, and I want to give a disclaimer up front. I'm not a super football fan. I don't, you know, so I know a lot of pastors get up and, you know, but I do, this time of the year, I read the stats and I look and kind of get acquainted because I'm going to watch the Super Bowl. And, uh, but I can tell you about surfing. I can tell you about the pro surfers and I can tell you about homeboy Cam Richards yesterday making it to the semifinals at the pipe, you know, whoop, go Cam. That's right. And, uh, but, but marriage sometimes seems to be kind of like, you know, we, we like, feel like I've got this great defense, and if she ever charges me, you know, I know how to handle this. She's not going to sack me, I can tell you that right now, because I got, I know how to handle this, or, you know, like, if, if that person makes any mistake in this relationship, I know how to exploit it, you know, I can get through the line, I can get over there and get to them, and, and there's no defense to my offense, and many of us go into our relationship differences and difficulties and you know challenges in that way that's it's like a game to be won and um you know the only problem is we're both on the same team you know in our relationships and when I was reading about the teams and I was reading about uh Patrick Mahomes and the quarterback you know for the Chiefs six foot three 230 pounds you know this great quarterback and then Larry they call him his teammates Larry Duverney, Tardif, I don't know if I'm getting that name, I'm just Southern pronouncing a Canadian name here, but uh, Duverney, Tardif, you know, all six foot five, 321 pounds. He's also an MD, did you know that? Well, yeah, he's a doctor. And so, uh, you know, when I think of them and I think about marriage sometimes, it's, it's almost like, what if today Patrick suddenly got the snap and Larry turned around and tackled him? I mean, everybody in the stands and on television will be going, what is wrong with these people? But we do it all the time in our relationships. We see each other as an adversary or someone who is encroaching upon our territory. And so it's, it's all about protecting my piece of real estate. And it's not about our real estate and trying to get down the field together. So we're going to pray. We're going to jump into this a little bit. And so if you would, pray with me. Father, thank you so much for this uh, Sunday. Thank you for having some time to spend with your church. I pray for your help today. Help me in my weakness, Lord. Um, give me the gift of teaching for the next few minutes. Holy Spirit, would you come and let 
what we need to hear, what would be of great benefit to us as people of your kingdom so that we can live the way you've called us to live and live it enjoyably, Lord. Would you have your way today? Speak, speak through your word. Uh, help me, Lord, and come and do your great work today in your people in Jesus' name. Amen. If I was to ask you what, is the mo- what does the most harm in a marriage, what would you say? Or what's the biggest challenge? Or what is it? Money is good. That's, that's true. That is one of the top ones. Communication, right? What we say, how we say it. Is that not true? Like, you know, and that's true. In the Bible, James 1.19, Jesus' half-brother said, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I mean, if we could just learn to live like that, it would be a happier place, wouldn't it? I mean, marriages would, the world would, everything would be better. Indeed, Proverbs eleven twelve says, It is foolish to belittle one's neighbor. And last week we said there's no closer neighbor than your spouse. And you wake up every day and there they are right next door, you know. And, and so it's foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A sensible person keeps quiet. I'm sorry. When I think about marriages in that proverb, it just cracks me up. And I'm so convicted. I don't know what to do. Um, forgive me, Jesus. You know, it's like that is, that is primed to say that words do things to us and they cause problems and they fracture us and hurt us. And, and all. But let me ask you this. This water, if, I, if it was sitting on a stand and I happened to bump into it and a little bit, and it spilled on the floor. Why, what's the cause of the water being on the floor? Why is it on the floor? Why? People are afraid to answer now. It's like, you know, is it like, because you messed up? Every reaction has an equal and opposite reaction, right? You bumped it, but no, that's not true. You know why there's water on the floor? There's water in the bottle. Yeah, that's our problem. There's water in the bottle. There was nothing in there to slosh out and to spill. There wouldn't be anything on the floor. But when we get bumped the right way, things get wet. <laughs> Jesus said in Matthew 15 and 18 through 19, But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. And and again, Jesus' half-brother James writes, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? And keep in mind that, you know, James here is writing to Christians. I mean, he's like, there's a problem in there. And so, I mean, I know we just prayed... (laughs) But I want to pray again because my prayer this morning, this is kind of an upside down service in a way. My prayer today is that our hearts would honestly be revealed to ourselves and before Christ. Because if we can't see our hearts, it's hard to change. It's very hard to step into living the way Christ has called us to. Psalms 139 and 23 through 24 says, search me, O God, search me, me and know my heart. Test me. 
and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So I'm going to pray another prayer now. And Lord, I'm praying that our hearts would be revealed to ourselves today, Lord. We need you and we need your help and we need your teaching and your comfort and we need your healing power to be the spouse, the close friend that you intend for us to be. Your grace is sufficient, Lord, when our hearts are laid bare. You don't leave us in our misery, but you quickly come to heal us, to lead us. And so today, as the part two of the prayer here, Lord, reveal our hearts and then would you come and would you lead us in the way of life and heal us up and empower us, Lord, to love one another the way you desire for us to. Amen. Amen. Look, if you're if you're just gotten married and you're a newlywed and you had a, a disagreement and you're like, I didn't know that person existed. You know, it's like we've had a really uh, a difficult conversation. We had a fight. You know, I want you to know that it's there's nothing wrong when you have conflict in a marriage. There's nothing wrong. It's, it's going to happen. Actually, if somebody tells me they've been married for any length of time, over 15 minutes, um, and, and says, you know, and I had someone tell me this, a young couple, this has been a long time ago, but they came. I said, how's it going? How's the, how's the marriage going? Great, man. We get along awesome. It's great. We never have an argument. It's just amazing. And I looked over at the wife. She didn't say anything, but, uh, you know, that didn't last long. And then, you know, they began the work to, to put, and they have a great marriage today. And it's not that there's something wrong with the relationship when you have a disagreement. That's two humans living together. Uh, two people whose hearts, you know, come into the relationship with their needs, uh, their hurts, their love, you know, their setbacks, all of that. They bring it into this relationship where each person is looking for some help from the other person. And so it's not unusual. And, uh, you know, good conflict leads to resolution and to a deeper intimacy. And you really don't dig into intimacy until you have a little conflict and you learn how to resolve it and you learn how to walk through it for the betterment. That's where intimacy is really, you know, where we experience it. But bad or unhealthy conflict marital conflict is when victory is the goal you know one or the other wants to claim victory they want to spike the ball in the end zone you know like yeah take that you know uh, we're on the same team man so having conflict is not unusual it's not unhealthy and uh, but how we handle it can be healthy or it can be unhealthy <laughs> this is one of the most bizarre proverbs uh, our scripture passages are versed to me in the Bible. It makes me laugh every time I read it. Without oxen, a stable stays clean. But you need a strong ox for a large harvest. In other words, no poop, no progress. <laughs> right? No poop, no progress. You go into the stall and like this clean... There's no oxen in that stall. There's no work in there getting done. There is no strength in that at all. It may look immaculate and beautiful, but there's nothing being done. 
And so some of us, yeah, we have to shovel a little more than others. <laughs> you know, but that, that's, that's normal. That's normal. You're not weird. You know, your relationship is not in trouble because there's poop in the stall. You know, it's just what you do with it and, and how you deal with it. And so you have a fill-in on the back side of your handout, and, and we'll run through these this morning. And, uh, you know, the first thing that I, when we hit a conflict, to me, I think what's really healthy and your first fill-in is the offense. You know, that is the offense. What is the offense? Is to be able to name what's going on. Because many times we get into our conflicts without even knowing what we're conflicted about. It's just so passionate and we're so defensive or so aggressive or we feel so threatened. And I think most of our trouble comes from we're feeling threatened by something. We feel like something is encroaching upon our personality or who we are or our insecurities or whatever it is. But something suddenly has pierced that veil of our own you know, sense of grandeur or our own sense of, of everything's perfect. And, and once it's pierced, we don't want anybody in there. And so we begin to fight. And so we need to name the offense before it gets out of hand. Proverbs 15, 18 says a hot-tempered person starts fights. A cool-tempered person stops them. And it's easy to ramp up with the person that knows you better than anybody and someone who at least at one point in your life you love more than anyone on the face of the planet. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's, we're off to it. We're, what is up with us? You know, there is this... Something is threatening. We're feeling threatened. And I think it's really good that both of us begin to decide what is it. You know, am I embarrassed? Is that what it is? Has my spouse said something that suddenly outed me or embarrassed me in some way? Have I felt devalued? Like now I feel less than. And that's probably a huge one for us a lot of times. Is that our spouse or friend or someone says something that suddenly we feel belittled we feel less than in that moment I think it's really good to identify it take it and say this what am I sensing right now before we get into the fray <clears throat> before we get into it and then we've lost the reason for all of it was going on maybe it's a misunderstanding maybe that's all it is but suddenly when the feelings get involved you're off to you're off to the races you know I mean Larry has turned and he's second Patrick you know it's we're on and in those moments, I think it's really important, too, to, to try to discern, is this an offense that I can let go? Because not every single offense, not every single moment, everything that goes on in our life should be something that has to be dissected and taken apart and, and looked at and defended. I mean, the same grace that put Jesus to the cross, that took Jesus to the cross, if you're a follower of Jesus, let me give you this disclaimer too. If you're not a Christian this morning, you're going to have a hard time living like this. It takes the grace of God in our lives. It takes the presence of the Holy Spirit. It takes Him in our lives to conform us into His image. But that same grace that Jesus lived out by going to the cross for us is the same grace that He has placed in our lives now as believers for one another. And that's not easy for us to lean into. And there are times, though, where the little thing, the little foxes, the little deals, little foxes in the vines, as the scriptures say, suddenly destroy everything. There are moments when you just have to let some things go. And you have to decide as you name 
as you name it, as you look through it, why am I feeling the way I am? Why am I offended right now? Why am I angry? Why do I want to snap back? Why do I want to talk to someone? Is this an offense that I can let go? Are they having a hard time? Is it a tough day for them? I mean, are they struggling with something? What's going on? You know, where are they? That's love, isn't it? Finding, understanding the person and then respecting that and knowing that maybe they're just in a position in life right now or there are things going on where they're just, they're just not processing well. And any other time, they wouldn't react this way. So you know what? I'll love you, honey. And I'm going to let you don't say this. I'm going to let that one go. <laughs> you know what that means. No, I'm not letting that one go. The minute you say it, it's like, that one's in there. I'm, I'm going to let that one go. It's coming back, bro. I mean, it's coming back. And, uh, but there are things, there are offenses where we can let it go. Not every single thing has to be a battle. We can just trust one another, forgive one another, and let those things go. But, you know, there are issues in our life and there are struggles in our life that need to be dealt with. And we, sometimes we need to go get help. And after all these years and, and uh, having been married a long time as well as knowing so many people going through great challenges, it's usually a lot of couples don't go get help until it's too late. They don't ask for help. They don't seek out help until it's too late. And I know what we Christians believe. It's never too late. And, and I would agree with you. It's never too late. God is a God of miracles. And I've told you I have seen some couples go through a just destroyed relationships. But decided that they were going to try to make it work. And they did. And so I, I know the miracle of reconciliation. And I have seen it. And I, I've seen it work and everything. But you know what? Wouldn't it be nice... If we didn't wait till it took a miracle. What if we dealt with our stuff, you know, and not stuffed it in the bag only to spill out later on when there's so much in there. So we name the offense. We identify the offense. And that's a good slowdown technique before you react to something that the person that you care about and you love has said. And before you whip off that retort... And uh, before you sack the quarterback, you know, slow down and name the offense. What is it? And then your second feeling is this. Take a step forward. Not away. Take a step forward toward the person that you love. Toward your spouse, your husband, or your wife. 1 Thessalonians 5.15 says, See that no one pays back evil for evil. No one. Not even husbands and wives. No one pays back evil for evil. But always, always try. And I love the word try. <laughs> always try to do good to each other and to all people. And this is the life, a kingdom life. It's a life that is not, I don't think, capable of being lived outside of being a Christian and being a follower of Christ. And whom the Holy Spirit now lives in and empowers and gives us help to be able to do this and um, you know whenever we step forward you know we either step forward with reconciliation and and uh, forgiveness and wanting to get closer or sometimes we step forward and just payback and that's that's the opposite of this I, I read a, a, a good story about this that this wife was getting ready to go to work one morning 
And she was already late. It was a very important business meeting she was headed to. And she had this special dress. She had it dry cleaned. And, and so as she put it on and prepared to go to work, she asked her husband to zip the back of her dress up. And so the husband, doing like we men do, go teenager at times, um, you know, grabbed the zipper and went, You know, he's flirting with her when she's under pressure. She's got to get to work, right? She's got an important... So she's getting more irritated by the moment. And what happens? He breaks the zipper. Oh, man. It's Richter scale now. You know, and so she's got to take the dress off. She's got to get another dress. She's got to go. And so her day was just... Man, she was just really upset. So on the way home, she's driving into the driveway. She's still fuming. And she drives up and she sees her husband underneath his car in the garage working. And this much of his body is out. He's under there working. And so she sees an opportunity. Yeah, so she silently walks up, grabs his zipper. <laughs> just like, like this. And then walks in the house. When she gets in the house, she gets to the kitchen and her husband's standing at the bar there in the kitchen. And she goes, how in the world did you get in here so fast? He says, what are you talking about? I said, well, you were just underneath your car. He says, I'm, I, haven't been, I haven't been underneath the car at all. He says, I drove in a while ago, and my neighbor saw my muffler hanging down. And he loves to work on cars. He said, let me fix that for you. <laughs> so, so they both rush out to explain things. And, uh, you know, they're talking. The guy's not responding. And so they finally grab his legs and pull him out. And he did like any man would do when somebody grabs their zipper. He raised up and knocked himself out. And, and listen, there is a scripture for this. There is a scripture for this. In Romans 12, 19, it says, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. There you go. Because sometimes when we do, it hurts others. So name the offense, you know, take a look at it, pray over it and say, Lord, is this worth it? You know, is this something that keeps coming up? Do I need to talk about this? Give a name to it and then take a step toward that person if it is. If it is needed for you to talk to them, you know, you continue to love them, you step toward them. And then the third one is, yeah, you start talking. You begin communicating with the person. That's your third fill-in. Begin communicating. And there, you know, Talking is not communicating, right? I mean, talking is involved in communicating, but you can talk and never be, you know, a communicator because communicating means understanding on both sides, correct? You want to be heard? Do you want to be understood? Or do you just want to make a racket? Which one? So you begin communicating. Proverbs 16, 21 and 24 says, the wise are known for their under, understanding and pleasant words are persuasive. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. So you take a step forward and you begin to speak. And some of, some of the things I wrote down was when we're trying to communicate, it's really good not to yell. I don't know why we think yelling makes something truer. I mean, is that like... Like, this is how much I really believe this. You know, it's like instead of wanting to be heard, I mean, you want to be understood. You want to communicate. Um, there's another interesting proverb that goes in 2714. 
uh, a loud and cheerful greeting early in the morning will be taken as a curse. <laughs> you know, you get up in the morning. If someone greets you, the minute you wake up, goes, hello, how awesome is this day? You know, you'd be like, man, please stop it. I mean, even though their, their intention was good, but they were loud, you haven't awakened yet. Proverbs says even that in a good setting can be very offsetting. It can set you back. So no yelling. Don't make it public. Don't get on Facebook. <laughs> Go, man, my husband's treating me terrible right now. Or my wife, man, does your wife do this? You know, make it public. Drag it out into a, a public sphere where everybody knows everything. Um, you know, even I, Matthew 18 applies to marriages as much as it does church. Matthew 18 says if another, 18:15, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. That's true for a marriage as much as it is in the church, which Jesus was telling us how to deal with one another. You don't broadcast it. You don't put it on a billboard. You don't put it in Facebook, Instagram, wherever you're doing your social media. You don't air it out in the public. Because the minute you do that, the intimacy that God wants to build in the relationship is threatened. I mean, now we're, we're drifting. and we're, we're making it public. And so don't, don't do it public. And, and, and here's the thing. And, you know, I want you to know that I probably, most every one of these have really done them. But um, <laughs> never say never. And never say always. Here's, here's a typical saying. You always do that, right? You've never. And, you know, the first thought is, man, I really a screw up. You know, if I've never treated you well, if I always do this, how am I ever going to bridge this gulf between us? How am I ever, how are we ever going to be able to talk? How are we ever going to be able to understand one another? To forgive one another when we keep building the distance between ourselves. And so just kind of put a guard over your, your mouth, you know, and a bit the bridle like in your mouth. And, and, and don't, just don't do that. You know, and, and no name calling. I mean, you, you start saying things to people. Then this is not just marriage. Just as we get upset and then suddenly we put some attachment, this derogatory upon their self, their name. And our old ego is something like this. You're just like your mother. Ooh. Oh, man. That comes up more than once or twice in a bad way. Yeah, that's, you know. No, my mother's not here. Yeah, she's a part of my life. She raised me. Yeah, she had a great impact on my life. No doubt about it. Absolutely. But I'm not my mama. I'm not my daddy. I'm me. And, and that's who you're talking to is me. And so, you know, and also don't go histor historical with them. You know what I'm saying? You've done this last Thursday. You did this. Then last, man, I was with someone one time <clears throat> who told me their spouse brought up something 16 years before. Could name the exact incident, everything that happened. And it was, I mean, they got through it. But it, it, he didn't remember it. <laughs> you know, it's, he, he couldn't recall, so he couldn't empathize because he, wasn't, he, can't, he couldn't even remember the incident. 
And so don't go historical on it. No temper tantrums, things like they don't help. They honestly don't. Definitely never get physical, you know, um, until after the argument in a good way. Um, you know, keep it. That's an interesting point. You know, have you ever noticed that when you settle an argument, things get romantic? Am I talking to right? Y'all embarrassed now? Or is that like to... No, have you noticed that? Like if you get that emotional intensity about something, that moment, depending on how you handle it, will either open up this new door to intimacy or you'll be slamming it in each other's faces. If you deal with it right, huh? <laughs> it's good. It's good, right? We misunderstand people and our, our, indeed how we talk to one another. It means a lot. Uh, don't go Spock on anybody. You know, that doesn't make sense. You're being unreasonable. You know, everything's logical. That's totally illogical what you said. You know, I'm guilty. Guilty of sin. You know, that's my go-to. It's not, it's not logical. Well, it's logical to the person you love. So it should be logical to you, right? That's right. Now, why do we feel like this? What's going on? Um, condescending, demeaning. And here's a big one. Do not drop the D-bomb. Know what I'm talking about? Don't drop the D-bomb. We, I mean, we've been through a lot of things, Karen and I have, but I'll tell you, this is one thing we have never done. When we got married, we said we would never say divorce never and we haven't 48 years one thing we've done right is we haven't and I understand there are reasons for divorce we're going to talk about that in the next week or two and uh, we're going to talk all about that and the healing and you know we start today right where we are we can't go back and change a lot of things so we start today God gives us a new day I get all of that but in the in the relationship you're in now, have an agreement between the two of you that no matter how intense our disagreements get, we're not going to drop the D-bomb on each other. We're not going to do it. And like I said, that's excluding getting physical abuse, all of that. I don't tolerate that. That's no. But otherwise, if you're working on your marriage, exclude that. Um, We say things a certain way and we can say one thing one way and something another way and it gets miscommunicated or it does get communicated in the right way. It, it is funny how just nuances of speech can change things, right? Watch this, this little clip, this video. Hello, I'm Matt Tremoni, founder and president of the Marriage Institute. <laughs> The Marriage Institute has been helping married couples ask the question, what's my tone when things are going wrong? And I'm proud to say we've had many success stories. Take Tabitha and James, for instance. They both wanted the same things, but you wouldn't know it from their tones. I'm gonna hit the hay early. I've never been more tired in my life. <laughs> That was about as romantic as a root canal. <laughs> once Tabitha and James went through our training, what was once a communication nightmare became a fertile playground for love. I think I'm gonna hit the hay early. I've never been more tired in my life. 
Wow. Now I call that a success story. Sometimes you are on the same page, but you just wouldn't know it if you thought that talking was just words. It's also tone. Reading minds is not possible between spouses. Changing your tone does not always result in romantic escapades, but may make your home easier to live in. Please change your tone 24 hours before engaging in sexual activity. If sexual activity lasts longer than four hours, congratulations. Side effects may result in public displays of affection, a permanent grin, and friends and family constantly telling you to get a room. The Marriage Institute. Because marriage is all about you. <laughs> Success story indeed. <laughs> I thought we needed to let a little pressure out of the room. Oh, man, you know, listening with patience and not jumping ahead and drawing conclusions too quick, all of that, you know, it, it invests or takes away from the next step of the relationship and how we listen with our body, you know, your spouse is saying something to you and you're like, that's not, I have you know, that's not a welcoming posture and, uh, and some of us who think we're so gifted in multitasking, guilty, you know, and your spouse wants to speak to you and you're doing something, mm-hmm, 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 no, 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 stop what you're doing, look at them, look at them, and listen, it's worth that, it is worth it, if you do it, it will pay off dividends to your relationship, your marriage, in every way. And, um, you know, some of us, some of us really like to talk a lot. And when someone is sharing with us and we are feeling our emotions building up, we're just waiting for them to take a breath, right? We're just waiting for them to, eh, you know, this really hurt me. And they paused for a millisecond. And you're like, let me tell you about being hurt. You know, we jump in. Let the person finish. Let them finish. Let them say. Let that person you really do care about and you love, let them finish saying what they have on their heart. And then you communicate as well. Just give some, one another that wonderful space. Proverbs 18, 13 says, He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. <laughs> and so we're usually ready to put the, you know, we're ready to defend our, our position or whatever's happened quickly before we've ever listened to the whole, the whole conversation. James, again, we said this at the beginning of the sermon, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. And another wonderful proverb, Proverb 18, 13 says, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. And so we want to listen. And uh, so we name the offense, we take a step toward one another, we begin communicating. Your fourth one here is begin forgiving. And I didn't say just forgive. I said begin forgiving because it is a process sometimes. I know we do make a, a choice to forgive, but the process of forgiving is really important to walk through. Because sometimes it's like, oh, that's done. That's over. You know, you said you forgave me. Why are you bringing it up again? Well, maybe there's more intimacy to be built and understanding to be built. And so, but we begin forgiving. We begin the process of forgiving. Colossians 3.13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone, that includes marriages, right? Anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. We were just singing this. So you must forgive others. This is the kingdom living. This is the way we're going to live for eternity. 
the way it's laid out in the, in the New Testament and the way Jesus taught us and Paul and the epistles. All of this is a, it's a kingdom way of living. It's not, a, it's not the way that we see living around us, is it? It's not even the way we normally live. I mean, this is, this is tough, but beautiful stuff. And it's God's way of bringing us into his will and to him having his way in our lives and in our relationships. And again, it only takes one person to start the process of reconciliation. I said start. It takes one. Somebody to step forward. Step toward the person. Step toward them. Begin the process of reconciliation. Greet with forgiveness. Speak with forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. Give forgiveness. Extend it to one another. You know, as spouses, we have to choose not to hurt one another. We have to make a choice. We're like, I am making this choice. I know I'm going to be tempted, and I'm probably going to fail a few times, but this is, this is my goal, Lord, is not to hurt the person that I love more than anyone on the face of this planet, or at least did at one moment, at one point in life. I do not want to hurt them. I don't want to hurt them. Clara Barton, the founder of uh, the Red Cross, someone brought up to her an offense, something that had been done to her years before and was trying to remind her of it. And Clara responded with, I distinctly remember forgetting that. <laughs> I love that. I distinctly remember forgetting that. You know, well, yeah, that's true, but I, I, I let it go. I let it go. The last one there is close the gap. Close the gap. Close the gap. Draw close. Don't let that distance stay there. Draw close. First Peter 4, 8. Most of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Someone has to make the move. Someone has to take the first step to be grace. To be Christ in the moment. And it can be scary when you've already been hurt. And you're like, I'm not going to be hurt anymore. I'm not going to take that step anymore. But you're still there together. You're still working through it. Take the step. Close the gap with one another. Now, here's what we want to do at the church. We, staff, we talked about this on Tuesday at our staff meeting. And what we want to do is we want to put together some help for this. And those connect cards that some of you filled out earlier on in the service I hope there's another connect card in the front of a pocket somewhere near you. What I would like to know is over the next few weeks, what would be a blessing to you? We talked about doing a marriage group, kind of like the Alpha, and that is we have, instead of people seeking to understand who God is, we would have a general gathering here, work through a curriculum or something, and couples together at tables together. And it's led, that way you can look across the way and you can say, boy, you know what, I'm not the only one working on this. I have people in my community, my faith community, doing it. Like, if you would be interested in being a part of something like that, we want to know. So if you would, like, take a card or grab one, give it to Jay outside or drop it in that offering bucket that's stuck to the side of the wall, drop the card in there and just say, hey, I would love to be a part of something like that. And, uh, and then there's regular small groups as well that we could do. Retreats. If you're like, I'd love to go on a marriage retreat. We've done them here. 
I, I've done them at other, at the other church I served at for, for almost 20 years. And we've seen great things come out of in-house retreats as well as going off to a nice hotel somewhere or, or a retreat center and spending the weekend together and having ministry time and understanding time together. If you would be interested in maybe participating in a marriage retreat, I want to know about it. I want, I want to hear, hey, I'm interested in this. And so if you would grab a connect card again, write that on it. Yes, I'm interested in it. And drop it in that offering or give it to Jay or let Jay know so he can write it down out in the uh, lobby. I'd appreciate it because this is an ongoing uh, discipleship issue, isn't it? It's becoming whom Christ has called us to be. And it's a glorious thing to be able to stand together and know that somehow... God is using a marriage to be a picture of Christ in his church. And again, I know there are many of us in this room who have been shattered and hurt in deep ways. And uh, we're kind of regrouping in our life and we're looking for the next step. We begin right where we are. And that's where we're going to start, right? And we're going to take a new step in a new direction. And we're going to see what God has for us. And so in the weeks ahead, we're going to talk about healing for that. We're going to talk about moving through those times and moving into what God has for us in the future. And so uh, I don't want any shame and I don't want any sense of failure here. What I want to see is I want to see us hungry for what God wants in our life and for us to reach for it with everything we have and that we go together as a community of faith and seeing healthy relationships, healthy marriages from this point onward be the norm. And not so rare. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray now, Lord, for everyone in this building who, eh, all of us have been hurt in relationships, Lord. Every single one of us in here. And all of us, Lord, uh, we know that there's going to be challenges in the future. But Lord, right now, what I want to pray for those who have suffered uh, some very devastating blows emotionally and relationally in their life. I, what I pray, Lord, for now through your spirit is a great sense of hope that yesterday, that tomorrow and today doesn't have to be like yesterday. But, Lord, there is hope in the future. There is hope for love. There is hope for a healthy relationship in the future. And, Lord, for the couples here that are struggling right now, I pray, Lord, the gap would be closed in their hearts before you and they would reach toward you with you in the center of that relationship and bring a great sense of hope and healing God let us once again reach toward one another and not run away from one another Lord come Lord come Holy Spirit while we're praying as I said in the beginning this you can't really live the way we're called to live outside of having the help of God himself in our relationships. And you could do nothing better for your relationships now and your future relationships than to surrender your life to Christ, to say to him today, Jesus, I believe you're calling me. You're wooing me to follow you. I surrender my life to you. Come into my life, Lord. Help me live the life you've dreamed for me to live and to have the relationships, Lord, you so desperately want for my life. Say yes to Christ. 
today. Say yes to him. He loves you. He cares for you. Say yes to him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bring your presence, Lord, now. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.